what we've been talking about in this series is this beautiful, beautiful concept of transformation after salvation, that we are saved by grace. That's what we celebrated at Easter. But what do I do with that? How do I live that out? How do I go to work knowing that Jesus has changed me and saved me? How do I be a husband? How do I be a wife? And how do I be a, a father and a mother? How, how do I live this life more than just Sunday mornings from 1015 to 1115? And so in these just three short verses, John is going to share with us some things that happen when we're new. That when we are transformed and changed by Jesus, that propels us into something. But to get there, here's the reminder that Paul gives us. Paul gives us this in 2 Corinthians, that anyone, so you're included in that, and that's great news, that anyone who belongs to Christ, this is our word for the day, has become new. So no matter what your life has looked like up to this point, no matter the shrapnel that you've left in your wake, no matter the pain that you've caused, no matter the pain that's been inflicted on you by other people that wasn't your fault, when you cross that line of faith, the apostle Paul says, John says, Jesus says, you are a new person in that moment. Now, sometimes it takes some time to live that out. Sometimes we have to get some uh, habits out of our life and sometimes... Times it takes a time for the evidence of that newness to result in the way that I think and the way that I talk. But Paul says, John says, Jesus says, the instant that I cross that line of faith, I am a new person. That old life, sorry, go back. That old life is gone. That new life has begun. And so what I want to do today is recognizing that we are new, give you four things that John says in verses 19, 20, and 21, that a new life in Christ brings me and a new life in Christ brings you. It's not because I'm special. It's not because of anything we do on our own. It's because Jesus has made us new. And when Jesus has made us new, that's lived out practically day in and day out. And so if you happen to be taking notes, if you've got it pulled up on your phone, here's the first one. A new life in Christ brings me a new identity, that I'm not the same person, I'm not the same man, I'm not the same woman that I used to be. A new life in Christ brings me a new identity. Here's what verse number 19 says. This is just the first part of it. And we know, John has been saying the word know over and over and over again, but here's what you should know. If you are new in Christ, we know that we are children of God. Now, I'm just telling you, if you and I could just grasp this one concept, it would begin to change everything. That if you could really embrace, I am not just God's puppet. I'm not just God's kind of, he toys with me and just watches for me to mess up. But when my new life has been given to me because of Jesus, I become a child of God. I'm just telling you, it will transform you. It will transform me. We move away from just this mere religious observance to this genuine personal connection with God. And I don't know how you grew up, what your religious tradition was, but for so many people, and maybe it's my fault, a religious tradition looks like just go through the routines, check the things off the box, do the prayers, show up at the thing, maybe give some money, and then go on with your life, and there's no connection. There's no intimacy. There's no personal 
connection and relationship with the Father. What John has been drilling into us over and over again, when you become new, you have a new identity. You become a child of God. And what a gift that is. Jesus would say it this way in John chapter 1, verse 12. But all who believed in him, the Father, and accepted him, Jesus, he gave the right to become what? The children of God. And when you understand this, when I understand this, it will change every part of your life. Knowing that you move from a religious tradition to a child of God will change how you worship. When we're just singing the songs here, and if it's just the routine, if it's just I've got to get through the three songs and then we'll talk and let me drink the coffee and then we'll go home, we'll have lunch, we'll get on with the day. Well, that's just I go through the routine. But when I recognize I, wait, I am a child of God, all of a sudden it changes. Those words that I'm singing, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God that you are with us, that you are for us. It changes the way that I worship. It changes the way that I pray. When, when prayer moves from this just thing that I do and I, I pray through this or I learned this as a child or I went through Sunday school and they taught me this and so I just recite it almost mindlessly to recognizing that I can approach and talk to God like a child talks to a father. It changes the way that we pray and it changes the way that we deal with disappointment. It changes the way that we deal with frustration. It changes the way that we deal with pain in life. Because if I'm just going through religious tradition, if God is just one of the boxes that I check off in my list, then when I have pain or tragedy or unexplainable circumstances, then there's just no connection to God there. I can start to blame God, and I can start to say, well, God, how could you let this happen? I, I did all the things, and I've been scratching your back. Why haven't you been scratching my back? You should do this because I came to church, and you should do this because I did that. But when I move from that to, it's just a relationship. Here's what I know. Here's what I begin to know. Is that my father loves me. If I really am a child of God, then my father wants what's best for me. And what I'm going through right now in this moment, I don't understand. But I know that God hasn't left me. I know that my father hasn't forsaken me. I know that my father isn't just trying to beat me over the head and punish me. I can walk through this knowing that I have a father that walks through it with me. Here's what Paul wrote to his uh, person that he was training, Titus, he saved us. That's what we celebrated at Easter. You've become new because he saved you, not because of the righteous things we did. We never, none of us earned our way, our way there. I, I couldn't be good enough. Neither could you. I couldn't attend enough services. I couldn't do anything to earn my way. He saved me. He made me new, not because of the righteous things we had done, but it was just his mercy his grace, that he saw the separation between himself and humanity and said, I will solve the problem for them. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth. I'm not who I used to be. I, I, I had this new identity. I, I'm not the alcoholic. I'm a child of God. I'm not the person that has that short temper. I'm a child of God. And it's not to say that I always do all the right things and I always make all the right decisions and sometimes I do kind of sneak back into those old habits, but that's not my identity anymore. I am a child of God. That new life brings me and it brings you a new identity. And then the apostle John is getting ready to say, a new life in Christ brings me a new mission. A new life in Christ brings me a new identity. I'm a child of God. 
I'm not just here for God's uh, enjoyment or for, you know, for God to move around and for God to make him jump through hoops. I'm a child of God. God is my father. I can approach him. It changes the way that I come to church. It changes the way that I worship and then I pray. And then because I'm new, it, I'm on mission now. I'm not just living for myself. It's not just about me and how much money can I get in the bank account and how many good things can I achieve and how much uh, stuff can I get and how many Amazon boxes can I get showed up in my doorstep. No, I, I'm, I'm living for something bigger. I'm living a life on mission. Here's what he says in number uh, letter B, uh, verse 19. We are the children of God, but the world around us, there's more than just us. The world around us is under the control of the evil one. Now, there's two ways that you could look at that. You could look at that and say, well, I'm so glad that I'm in God's hands and God's made me a child of God and too bad for them. I guess, you know, hopefully they get it taken care of. Hopefully they do something. Or I can read that and say, well, if God has done something for me, if God has made me his child and it was through mercy, and there's other people around me that are still living in darkness and still under the control of the evil one, well, that means that my life today should make an impact on those people, that I should live life on mission. Because children of God, remember, I used to be just like them. I, I, I did not get to being a child of God on my own. I didn't climb the ladder high enough. God's mercy was sufficient for me, just like it's sufficient for them. And so I don't want to just sit comfortable as a child of God and just let them all go to hell in a handbasket and say, too bad for you, I'm glad I'm okay. But as a child of God, I recognize the same grace that was available for me is available to the people around me. The same blood that Christ shed that was sufficient for me is sufficient for the people that are around me. And so a new identity makes me look outward. I start to say, how can I live in this life as a child of God to shine the light on the people that are still under the control of the evil one. The reason that my identity as a child of God is because God poured his saving grace onto me. And so then I receive that saving grace and I do what I can to point people in that same direction. I was saved and so were you, you can be. Jesus said it so brilliantly. Jesus said it perfectly in Matthew chapter 5. You may have read this before. There's a little Sunday school song that's about this. He says, you are. The, who, who is? The preachers? No, no, no. Not the preachers. The people that went to seminary? No. Children of God. People that have been made new. Yeah, but I don't know all the answers to all the questions. That's okay, you are. Yeah, but what if I, I, I still have some bad habits and I still struggle? It's, it, you are the light of the world. Well, I don't want to be the light. It's too bad. You, you are. You just are. You are the light of the world. Well, I didn't sign up for that. You did. You signed up for it. When you accepted God's grace, when you became a child of God, what you also accepted was a mission. What you also accepted was responsibility. Not just people that put on a microphone and stand on a stage or have a radio show or lead a small group. You, you're a child of God. And as a child of God, you are the light of your office place. You're the light of your neighborhood. You're the light when you're in the boardroom. You're the light when you're coaching the team. You're the light as you go through your life as a citizen. You are the light of the world. It's just like a city on a hill that can be hidden. No one lights a lamp. Your lamp has been lit. It just has, but you shouldn't put it under a basket. 
Instead, what, what do lamps do? Well, it's placed on a stand where it gives light to, remember those people that are under the control of the evil one? Why am I the light of the world? Well, because I'm a child of God. There's people that are around me in my neighborhood, at my work, maybe even in my family that are still under the control of the evil one. And so I put my light on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Second Corinthians said it this way. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, welcome, glad to have you. If you've stepped across the line of faith, you're included in that, has become a new person. That's what we've talked about. The old life is gone, the new life is gone. And all of this is, what is it? It's a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has not just given us the task of coming to church on Sundays. Glad you're here. But that's not the task God gives you. I'm new because of God. And so now I have a responsibility. I'm a child of God and I'm sent on mission by God. He's given us this task of reconciling people because they're still under the control of the evil one. Reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ. He did it first. He did the hard work. Reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave you. You, Children of God, he gave it to you. People that have stepped across the line of faith, he gave it to you. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation, and so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead and come back to God. Come back to God. You don't have to live in darkness anymore. You don't have to be under the control of the evil one anymore. You are a child of God, and children of God live their life on mission. Children of God make every day the decision, I am going to shine my light. I am going, I I don't have to stand on a street corner and, you know, be the person that is a street preacher. That doesn't necessarily have to be what I am. But when I go to work, I want people to see me, and they see Christ through me. I want people to look at how I live my life and how I'm a husband and how I'm a father, and I want them to see Jesus through me. Now, the challenge is that lots of things vie for us to shine their light. We live in a politically kind of toxic environment and whatever side you're on, and so political candidates ask, shine your light for me. And some of us are, let's be honest, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but some of us are really good at that. Some of us are great at shining the light of a political candidate or a political idea, but we're not as good at shining the light of Jesus. Some of us are really good at showing and putting up to the front an idea or a theme or a movement, and I'm not saying that's bad, I'm just saying it can't outweigh the light of Jesus because no political candidate or no hobby or no sports team or whatever it is that you shine light for, they haven't redeemed you. They they haven't given their life for you. And so what I have to be known by the most is I'm a light shiner. Not, Not for a political candidate or a political movement. I'm a light shiner for Christ because he's redeeming. I'm not a light shine. I love the Kansas City Chiefs. I love the Kansas City Chiefs. I love them. They didn't redeem me. They put me in a good mood, but they didn't redeem me. 
And so I, far be it for me to shine the Kansas City Chiefs light brighter than I shine the light of Christ because of what Christ has done for me. I am a child of God. Children of God live on mission. You might not ever preach a sermon, but every day you preach a sermon. You might not ever get up here and strap on a microphone and preach to an audience, but every day when you go to work, when you go into your neighborhoods, you're preaching a sermon. Your life is a reflection of something. And so Jesus said, John affirms, let your light shine. Let people see God through you. Not because you're perfect. You're not going to be perfect. Not because you don't have flaws, not because you know the answers to all the questions, but because the same grace that was revealed and poured out on you is enough for everybody else. And so I'm a child and children are always on mission. Here's the third one if you happen to be taking notes. A new life in Christ brings me a new direction. So it brings me a new identity. It brings me a new mission. I'm shining my light for Jesus so that people see him through me and then it brings me a new direction. This is what verse number 20 says. And we know, here's that same word again. We know that the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. Not just know about him, but to know him. Not to just be able to recite some facts, but to have a connection. We can know the true God. And now, what do we do? We live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, excuse me, his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and he is eternal life. He is. That's just, it's not just what he gives us, it's who he is. And I love that word there, fellowship. It's, again, John, John is the, the person who described himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. And so John had this deep understanding of the Father's love for his people. And so John reiterates over and over and over again, you can be in fellowship with God. You can have relationship with God. You can have connection with God. It doesn't have to be dry. It doesn't have to just be routine. You can be in fellowship. But here's what fellowship always leads to. Fellowship with God always leads to following. Always. When I'm in fellowship with God, I am gonna follow God. I'm not just going to attend some places. I'm not just going to attend church. I'm going to be in fellowship, and fellowship is always changing. My kids, they know who their father is, and they want to be with their father. And when I know who my father is, I want to be with him. And when I am with the father, when I'm in fellowship with him, and when I'm following him, I can't help but be changed. I can't help it. It is impossible for me, just like it's impossible for you, to follow Jesus and stay the same. It cannot work. Now, you can, you can know a lot of things about Jesus and remain the same. You can attend every single church service known to man and remain the same. You can study the scripture 10 hours a day and not be changed. It's in the following that change happens. It's in the I'm going to step by step, day by day, I'm going to follow Jesus. I move from knowing to fellowshipping. I move from just activity to fellowshipping. And when I do that, I am changed. And Jesus said, Don't not just go to church, although that is definitely part of following. You're going to be. If you follow, 
You're going to be part of a community. You're going to be part of a group that's, that's changing. But over and over, if you read the Gospels, here's what Jesus said. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. And the great news is, is that eventually we get to follow him all the way to heaven. We, we get to follow him all the way to eternity with him. The, the part that sometimes people don't want to talk about or kind of sweep under the rug is sometimes we also have to follow him into suffering. Sometimes we also have to follow him into giving up things. Jesus gave up his life for us. And so what Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you have to give up your life for me as well. It's just, it's an exchange. Yes, follow me to heaven. Follow me to eternity. But also, if any of you wants to be my follower, you've got to give up your own way. Because you can't follow and not be changed. You just can't. I can't either. Again, I can attend church for my whole life and not be changed. You've, you've met people like that. You've met some unbelievably mean churchgoers. Well, they're not changed because they, they are going through the routine, but they didn't give up their own way. They just kept their way and just added Jesus as a little aside to it. No, he says, if you want to be my follower, if you're going to be in fellowship, fellowship always ends up in following. Following always ends up in transformation. You've got to give up your own way. You've got to, well, we don't like this part. Take up your cross. Well, a cross always means death every time. Like, we, we would never, you know, we have crosses in our house, and we wear them on our necklaces, and they're beautiful and fabulous, but when Jesus said this, a cross, the only reason to have a cross was death. That's the only reason. Execution. That we, we people died on a cross. It wasn't decorative. It was destroying life. And so when Jesus says, take up your cross, here's his disciples, the people listening to him, said, well, Jesus, if I take up a cross, the only people that carry a cross are the people that are going to their death. And Jesus said, that's exactly, exactly right. Following me, there's some death involved. You've got to give up your own way because, hey, listen, if you try to hang on to your own life, my own way, I'm going to lose it anyway. I mean, if I, if I spend my life for me at the end of my life, do I have anything to show for it? If I spend my life on getting more and achieving more at the end of my life, does any of it really matter? Jesus says no. If you hang on to your life, you're going to lose it anyway. But if, if in this life you'll give up your life, if while you're on this earth, if you'll give it up, if you will embrace the death that Jesus calls us to embrace, well, you will save it. That, that's the trade. I want to follow Jesus to heaven, and so I follow him in life. And in following him in life, there are so many joys. There's so much peace that comes, and there's so much extraordinary, extraordinary things. There's also some difficulty in saying, this is something I've held on to as long as I can remember, and you're calling me to let it go, and that is really hard. But I want to be in fellowship with you. And fellowship with you always brings me to following you. And following you always brings me to change. I can't, I can't follow and not be changed. We, we get a follow to heaven, and that is the gift that God has given us. But the path to following Jesus to heaven is always giving up our own way. Always, every time. I, I have to embrace what Jesus has done and then open up my hands and say, here's my life. Take my life and let it be, the old hymn says, consecrated, Lord, to thee. That, that's what a new life brings me. It brings me a new direction. It brings me a new identity. It brings me a new mission. It brings me a new direction. I'm not living 
for myself. And then here's the third, fourth one. I thought about doing a whole sermon just on this one, but I decided not to. A new life in Christ brings me a new priority. So it brings me a, a, a new identity. I'm a child of God. It brings me a new mission. I'm letting my light shine. It brings me a new direction. I'm going to follow because I'm in fellowship, even if that means giving things up. And then it gives me at the end a, a new priority. Here's what verse number 21 says. Now think about this. John has been writing this. And instead of ending it like some of the other authors, you know, he end, end it with a prayer or whatever. John decides, you know what? The most important thing I can end this with is, is this. Verse number 21, dear children, because he loves these people. These are people that he's pastored, people that he's encouraged, people that he's done life with. He considers them his children. And he says, children, if you're going to do all of this, all, all the things I've talked about, all the things of, of transforming your mind and knowing that you're a child of God and giving up your life so that you can receive life, all, all of those things, here's what you've got to do. Last, I want to end you with this. Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Because I, I can't do anything that John told me to do if God is not God. If, if God is third or fourth or third, uh, 13th or 14th or 22nd in my life, I can't really follow what John has invited me to follow. And so John ends it with this, you've got to be careful. You've got to keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. The, uh, John, uh, Jesus is like John the Baptist, not John the Beloved, but John the Baptist, when he was getting ready to baptize Jesus, he said it this way, and uh, what is it, John chapter 3, this, and again, not the same John, not the John that wrote this, John the Baptist, not Baptist because he was a Baptist or a Lutheran, it was just he was a baptizer, he baptized people. He said, Here, here's what has got to happen, that he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Now, if you want to take Christianity and faith in Jesus seriously, this is a prayer that you start to pray. God, today I'm waking up. I want you to become greater, and I want to become less. I want you to become greater in my life, and for you to become greater, I've, I've got to become less. There's, there's this phrase that Christians say. It drives me absolutely crazy. I understand the heart of it, but it's just so frustrating to me. People said it, and there's even songs that, that sing it, and they're nice songs, but they're just saying, I want more of you, God. God, I just want more of God. I want more. Of, it just drives me crazy. Because God cannot give you any more of himself. He gave you everything. What, what, what more do you want God to give? He gave his life. He gave his son. He gave his blood. He, everything that God is able to give, he's given. And so the problem for me, when I think, I just need more of God in my life. No, I don't. I need less of me. I, I, I've, I've gotten my priorities changed around. That's, that's what John was saying, that he's got to become greater. And in order for him, the only way for him to become greater is not for him to give me more. It's for me to become less. Imagine it this way. You've got a garden hose, and you, you've got a garden hose that's hooked up to your faucet at the house, and you cut that faucet on full blast 
and you go to the end of the hose and it's just a dribble out of the hose. Now you've got to decide whose fault that is. Is it the faucet's fault or is it the hose's fault? And so here's what you do. Well, is the water on? Yeah, the water's on. Well, why isn't there any water coming out of the faucet? I bet there's, I bet there's something in the hose that's stopping that water from getting through. And so you, you say, oh, there's a kink over there. And you open up that kink and a little bit more water flows. And oh, there's a kink over here. You open up that kink and what? That's the same that's true in my life. Whenever I'm tempted, whenever you're tempted to think, I need more of God, here's, I got to examine my life. Just like John said, be careful that nothing takes God's place in your heart. Be careful there's not kinks in my life. Is there anything that's stopping the flow of God? The faucet has been turned all the way. God has given you everything again. The Apostle Paul said, God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. God cannot give you any more of himself. He's given you everything. It's just, am, am I letting him flow through me? And so I'm giving God this new priority. And all of us, we're all on the same page. None of us have ever been not guilty of the sin of idolatry. We're, we're all there. It's one of the top ten. It is the first one of the top ten. Let no other gods be, come before me. And we're all guilty of it, right? Now, we don't have little gold statues, and we don't have little shrines made up. We're, we're smarter than that. But, but God is just anything that takes priority in our life. And when I let money take priority, that means God isn't priority. And so God becomes my money. And so John says, be careful. And when I, when I let my social standing, when that's the most important. Well, God, he starts to take a back seat. And, and here's the, the kind of the tension of it. Most of the things that take God's place in our heart are really good things. I mean, how many of you know it's good to have some money? How many of you know you wouldn't mind having a little bit more of it? There's nothing wrong with having money. It's terrific. It's just a priority problem. I, 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 it's great to, to get a raise and to to advance in your career and to get the new house and to achieve, start the business. I mean, come on, somebody. Let's do it. Absolutely. It's just John says, you got to be so careful. You got to be so careful that it doesn't take priority because you are a child of God now. You, you've got a new identity. And because you've got a new identity, you've got a new mission. And because you've got a new identity and a new uh, understanding of who God is, you have got a new direction. I'm following him. And now I just make sure I, I check myself. I examine my heart. God, is there any areas of my life where I've kinked the hose? Is there any areas of my life that you're not able to flow through as much as you want to? Am I guilty of the sin of putting something above you? And God, if I am, would you, would you reveal that to me? Would you show that to me so that I can become less? And every time I become less, you become greater. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so, so very much for John's writings. We're so grateful that they have been preserved through all of these years for us to learn and to grow from. And so, Lord, I'm praying this morning for those that are here in the room, for those who are watching online, that we would have a deep, deep understanding that you have invited us to be a child of God, are your sons and your daughters. And Lord, help us to receive that and then follow you into what you're calling us to follow you into.
that we would be on mission. Lord, I'm praying for all of us as we kind of end this summer season and get ready to go into the busyness of fall and school. Lord, I'm praying that our light would so shine before men that they would see our good works and glorify their Father in heaven. Lord, we're, we're praying that as we go into our week, as we go into our workplaces and into our homes and into our meetings and into whatever our week is going to bring us, that we would shine your light brightly, that we wouldn't be guilty of shining something else brighter than, we, than you, that we would be known for you and what you've done in our life. Lord, I'm praying that when you call us to give up something, when you call us to take up our cross, and by doing that, it, it's the death of something, it's us putting away something, that we would have enough faith to follow you into that, that you would give us the courage to do what we know we're supposed to do, and that we would be able to follow you in to whatever you need for us. And Lord, we're all guilty at different times of our lives of misplacing priorities. And so Lord, I'm praying that we would all examine ourselves. I need to examine myself. And that we would see, have I stopped the flow of God at any areas of my life? Have I let anything else become priority over God? And Lord, if there is something that pops into our mind, that we would repent and we would move away from that. We would pray as John prayed, that he must become greater and I must become less. Help us in this. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen.